and I know I'm pretty. And welcome to episode number 152 of the Random Thoughts Podcast. That is R-A-N-D-U-M-B Thoughts.com online. I am your host, Darren O'Neill. And on today's show, we're going to be talking a lot about China. Some things going on that I found quite interesting. Some things you've probably heard about, others not so much. We're going to be talking about Why, guys, if you're looking for dates, might want to mumble. But I want to start with the official announcement that a lot of you may know as well that the new podcast, Planet Rage, that I'm doing with Larry Blydner of That Larry Show, is now officially up and running. You can subscribe to it wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. Or you can go to planetrage.show. Yes, there are dot shows, just like dot coms, dot nets. Planetrage.show it was a lot of fun doing the first episode. And it was more just kind of laying out a concept that I think will grow as we do more and more shows. And it's something kind of like random thoughts where we hope it's a lot of fun, not really a news show, not a politics show, but more hopefully an escape from a lot of those things because there's always plenty to rage about. There's no question. Almost on a daily basis, people can find something to be upset about, whether it's politics, whether it's sports, whether it's Amazon screwing you like they did to me uh, yesterday. Thanks, Amazon. I had a uh, nail split. I know first world problems, but we got a new nail clipper. That's like really, 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 really sharp. And I guess the way that I cut the uh, thumbnail, it kind of went on an angle. So it starts splitting down the middle. So I'm like, well, there has to be a way to fix this. And rather than just taking crazy glue or something like that, there is a product that is made just for this that you looks you know like nail polish and you put it on and then you put your nail into some powder and then it kind of like an epoxy or something creates a bond you know so the nail doesn't continue to split and eventually crack all the way down so i ordered that and i thought it was funny i mean my wife thought it was funnier that the company that was selling through Amazon because, you know, Amazon, they sell some stuff direct, but there's a lot of stuff that you'll see, you know, sold by company X and just delivered, provided by Amazon. Well, the name of the company that was providing this nail repair kit was Miss Pretty Pretty. And I know I'm pretty. You know, I'm pretty. Let's all just admit I'm really, really pretty. Well, when I went to order this yesterday, in the early afternoon, Amazon's like, hey, we can have this to you today by 10 o'clock. And it's free because you're a prime person. And all you have to do is make sure you order like $35 worth of prime stuff and you will have this today for free. Otherwise, 
I could have just added the two ninety nine if I really wanted it yesterday or just waited to today to get the product. Now, my wife's been wanting a Darth Vader helmet Lego thing. Yeah, I know. Don't judge. I don't quite get the Lego thing. I don't see really well. So trying to put little pieces together and I have really big hands as well. So the Lego thing would not be so much fun, but she enjoys it. She wanted this Darth Vader helmet. So I'm like, well, oh, wait, that can be delivered today, too. Then so I added on the Darth Vader helmet, which was like sixty seven bucks onto the nine dollars that the nail repair kit was going to be. And like, great. Press go, pressed order. It'll be here between five and ten. And about seven o'clock, I got a thing that's like, oh, your package is only five stops away. So yay. And at about the same time, got a thing saying, oh, yeah, yeah, but the nail part of that, yeah, the nail repair kit. Yeah, no, no, that's no, that wasn't shipped. I'm like, this is like the ultimate in bait and switch when you order a sub $10 product. And they say, well, we could have it today for free. All you have to do is order something else to get over the $35 threshold. You had something else to get over the threshold. And then they're like, well, no, the original thing. No, no, we didn't ship that. But we just shipped the other more expensive thing that you probably wouldn't have purchased yesterday if not for the fact that you needed the first thing. So screw you, Amazon. And uh, that was my not really rage. I mean, I can still go get crazy glue or duct tape, or something like that, that I'm sure would work. Just hopefully, maybe it'll be delivered today, and my Miss Pretty Pretty package can uh, can fix this split nail. I know. What can I say? First world problems. Not the kind of problems they're having over in China, where the culture is going through an interesting shift, it would seem. The big news that has been reported all over the place, at least here in the United States that I've seen, it became really a mainstream story that China was limiting the amount of time that children, minors, people under the age of 18 could spend doing online video gaming. I guess it was already something that was limited to an hour and a half a day. But they decided that was still too much time to be spent doing online gaming. So the new rule in China is that if you are a human resource under the age of 18, you are limited to spending three hours a week playing online video games. And they tell you exactly when to do that as well. It's not like you could just save up your three hours and do it once a week. No. If you're a child in China, you can now play online video games only on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday from 8 to 9 p.m. And also on a national holiday, they'll also let you play for that one hour between 8 and 9 p.m. And I thought this was kind of an interesting thing. And it could be argued in so many different ways that kids spend a lot of uh, time with these devices, playing video games, probably not the healthiest thing. It's something that's been pointed to in countries like the United States for years as reasons why the obesity epidemic has really taken hold. 
because back, you know, when I was a kid, well, we had computers, but they were just coming out. Most people didn't have them. And most of the time, kids went out and played. They did things outside. Instead of playing video games of playing baseball, you went and played baseball. Instead of playing video games of playing football, you actually went out and played football. You rode your bike around rather than sitting at home and playing that you're an over-the-road trucker or whatever you're doing in the video game. In your virtual reality, you actually did things in reality. So I don't think it's a horrible thing to want to limit the amount of time that children are playing on these devices, but I think it's a very important thing for people here in the United States who maybe don't have a clue how things work in communist countries like China, that when the government says, yeah, we need to cut down on kids playing video games, it's not a suggestion. It's not a mandate. It's a law and it is enforced. And if you do not abide by this, there are some serious consequences that will come down upon you and your family. Now, how do they enforce this? Well, also in China, users playing online games have to use their real name. Again, something I know a lot of people here in the United States and elsewhere around the globe where there are more personal freedoms available to you, at least for now, would never use their real name for online gaming, would never use their real name for social media, would never use their name for any of that stuff because of the privacy risks, people being able to track you down, all that kind of stuff. Well, in China, you do not get that option. If you're going to play games in China, you have to use your real name. And I thought it was interesting that all online games that are being run in China have to be registered through a state-run anti-addiction program. So they understand that games could be quite addictive. People can spend a lot of time on them. There have been some extreme cases where you hear about gamers dying because they played for 38 hours or 48 hours, didn't go to sleep, and ended up going into cardiac arrest or something like that because they are addicted to these games. But these games can be played on a variety of platforms, including your phones, tablets, PCs, you know, laptops, desktops, whatever. And one of the interesting things was also in order to be able to enforce these laws, they are using facial recognition. Now, this is something I've talked about quite a bit here over on Grumpy Old Ben's and just the overall overarching power grab that facial recognition technology allows governments to have as far as tracking you, finding out where you are at any given time and what you're doing. An article in the Wall Street Journal said that in July, Tencent, one of the two major Chinese gaming companies, implemented a new facial scan feature into their smartphone games as part of this new Chinese government monitoring so they could tell when children were playing the video games. So, I mean, not only legally are you supposed to only be playing the video game under your own name. But let's just say you have a parent that's like, oh, geez, 
little Johnny's really being annoying. Let me just give him my phone and let him play the game as me. Not going to work when the camera on the phone can see who's playing the game using facial recognition to bust you. If you're a parent or whoever gives somebody a phone or if a kid gets a device and is logged in as somebody else, the government will see it and the government will crack down on you. Now, the government in China believes something that I think is probably 100% true, and that is that technology is having a much more prevalent and outsized, as they called it, influence on society. Anybody that uses these devices, anybody that is on social media, I think can understand why that the tech companies are having such an influence as they do over current society pretty much anywhere around the globe. And in China, they don't like that. They also don't like video games because they consider them, as we said, they have to be registered through an anti-addiction program. The Chinese government looks at gaming very much like they would a drug going so far in a government statement as calling games nothing but spiritual opium. So these are basically uh, digital drugs that the kids get hooked on and it stunts their ability to grow into the citizen that the Chinese government wants them to turn into. Now, the government issued a statement out of their state-run news agency that said, quote, adolescents are the future of our country. The protection of the physical and mental health of minors is related to the vital interests of the people and is related to the cultivation of the younger generation in the era of national rejuvenation. So this is very 1984-ish, but that's because this is a communist country and this is what communist countries do in order to get the end result that they want. They have absolute, complete control over even the most minute things. You don't get to decide when you want to play video games in China. The government tells you when you can do it, how you can do it. Which is why it was such a concern here in the United States when all of these smart meters started being rolled out for things like electricity and water, because the government can basically treat you as the ultimate kid that you go to your room without television. Well, you do something the government doesn't like, they can turn off your power. They can tell you you can't run your dishwasher. They can tell you you can't run your washing machine. They can tell you. You can't run your television if they don't want you to. Now, it was interesting that it seems like there's not a lot of kids as far as the money making for the video game makers in China, as far as their market share, because the CEO of one of these companies during their quarterly earnings call this week, this was William Ding, chief executive of internet and game company NetEase said that the new regulations are a positive development for children's health 
and studies and predicted little financial impact since children make up less than 1% of the company's revenue, which I thought that was interesting because I think that's not the case in the United States when you're talking about these gaming companies and the amount of cash coming in for the games under 18 and over 18. I highly doubt that it's anywhere near that small here in the United States. The CEO also said, we vigorously endorse and support this decision and will strictly implement it. We also hope the entire industry can actively carry out this decision, allowing China's miners to grow up in a healthier environment. These guys are talking like the CEOs of cigarette manufacturers. And maybe it's the same thing. You can make your own call, I guess, on that one. But I think it's interesting that if you're going to do business in China, you know you have to applaud the government line, even though this is no doubt taking a hit on their business. I don't know. Maybe it really is 1%. Maybe they're lying. Maybe this is just to save face. But it's kind of interesting that if that were to happen here in the United States, if they were to be like, hey, kids can only play video games for an hour a day for three nights a week. You know, the video game manufacturers would not be out there saying we vigorously endorse and support this decision. It's again because in China, you don't really have freedom. You have to do what the government says. You don't really have a choice. And there are some other things. China's going after that the video games seem to get a vast majority of the press on this. But China also is going after the companies that were cashing in on tutoring. They have now banned companies who provide tutoring in any of the core school subjects from making a profit. So, I mean, I guess you can still do the tutoring. It just has to be for free. You cannot make money at tutoring children, which is kind of interesting because you would think that would offer the ability for children to succeed. But the problem is then there's that equity issue that we're dealing with in the United States now. Equity that everybody should have the same outcome. And it's unfair if you come from a family who has a little bit more money that maybe you can pay to have somebody tutor one of your kids. The government says the rationale for this is nothing more than cutting down on the added pressure that kids have to succeed in school. That doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to me. That. You're going after companies they can't make a profit if they're tutoring kids because you don't want the kids to be under the pressure that would bring for them to do better in school. I don't know. That one doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. But the thing that has not gotten any play here in the United States, and I looked at quite a few different articles from a few different sources about this whole video game thing and this whole crackdown in China. There's a part of this 
that I found to be way more interesting than going after the people doing tutoring or going after the video game market. And that is an overall crackdown right now in China on pretty much all of pop culture. Now, this is something that the Chinese government says when it comes to the pop culture is an industry that has fostered an unhealthy culture of celebrity fandom around what state media terms effeminate male stars. Now, I think anybody following along here in the United States and in a lot of other places around the globe know that there has been a big push in the woke world to embrace non-binary. We can't even say that there are only two genders. That's bad. We must allow people to do whatever they want and say they are whatever they want, use whatever restroom, whatever they want. It's an all free for all. Just nothing is reality. You get to decide what your reality is. And that's not the way the Chinese government sees it. And this is someplace that uh, I can't disagree with the Chinese government. According to an article from the Wall Street Journal, The government's recent focus is on children whom the party says it fears are being inundated with a toxic culture that poisons their minds, isolates them from society, and saps young boys of their masculinity. Now, the leader of China, Xi, said to a delegation at China's annual legislative meetings this March that they should be wary of the online game addiction and of, quote, other dirty and messy things online, things that could have a bad influence on the youth of China. And again, I don't think I could disagree with them there. I don't think anybody that's ever been on the Internet does not know that a vast majority of the Internet is a cesspool. Social media is nothing more than a complete and utter cesspool. It's hard to have a decent conversation. It's all a bunch of programming. It's all a bunch of bots. It's all a bunch of people bitching back and forth. And nobody is actually communicating. They are just spewing out their propaganda, whichever side they may be on, just spewing out propaganda to the world and hoping somebody reads it. There's very little of what was originally promised with the internet. And that would be the ability to have in-depth discussions and debates on the topics that matter most. I think everybody that is on any of the social media platforms understands what they have fallen into. Now, I thought it was interesting that China has a government body that is an internet regulator. It's called the Cyberspace Administration of China. Now, the Cyberspace Administration of China started a campaign in June of this year to rein in the culture of online celebrity worship. Again, this is something I can applaud because I think we all know that the amount of celebrity worship and people buying into a lot of this stuff especially the children, 
not good. It is not good for their overall well-being to buy into a lot of the stuff that they buy into. Now, on Friday, the Cyberspace Administration of China banned the ranking of celebrities by name on their social media platform. So their version of Twitter and stuff like that saying, so if you're going to rate things, you can still rate songs and films, but without the mention of who created them. So it's okay to raise up. I like this song. You can boost that. You can get behind that. Oh, I like this song, but not the person that wrote it, not the person that's performing it. Because that's different. That's celebrity worship. That's they're making the distinction between the product, between the art and the artist. And I thought that was kind of an interesting thing as well. According to the Wall Street Journal, quote, Chinese authorities have also taken aim at the influence of male celebrities who embrace a gender neutral style, saying that they encourage young Chinese men to be insufficiently manly. Now, this sounds to be 180 degrees opposite of what's been going on here in the United States over the past few years. And this is a case where I think China has it absolutely right that it's okay for boys to be masculine and girls to be feminine. Nobody's saying that other kids can't do whatever they want, not that they can't search out their own space but we've heard way too much in the united states about toxic masculinity anything that is strongly masculine is toxic and that's complete and utter bullcrap and china i mean they're seeing this a little bit better i think and they have the iron fist to be able to enforce this kind of a thing upon the people that live there And it's an interesting thing to watch how these cultures, the one here in the United States, which is going in one direction and the culture now in China, which they're seemingly seeing a lot of the same stuff in China. They're like, hey, hey, wait a minute. We're seeing this non-binary stuff and they're going in the exact opposite direction because they see it rather than as the. the hippy dippy kind of stuff that they do in the United States is where it's like, hey, anything's good, man. China's seeing this in a different way. And which one's right or wrong? There's probably somewhere in the middle. But it's nice to see kind of a culture that's going, you know, it's okay for men to be men and women to be women. Last week, the state owned newspaper, the Guangming Daily, and I'm probably totally screw that up, so I apologize. They published a commentary denouncing what they called the spread of Niangpao. Sure, I'm mispronouncing that as well. N I A N G P A O, or sissy pants pop culture. I thought that was uh, an interesting way to put it. The sissy pants pop culture the commentary read the new era needs healthy aesthetics and a healthy social culture is crucial in the critical period for the formation of adolescence values 
Around the same time, according to the Wall Street Journal, a group of celebrities and officials from China's film industry gathered in Beijing to announce an initiative to distance themselves from the sissy pants culture while creating, quote, good work full of courage, morality, and warmth. So again, it's an interesting concept here. Because here in the United States, you know what the actors and actresses would have done if the government were to come out and say something like this. They'd all be like, no, no, you're bad. In China, you don't really get that option. In China, if you want to continue working, you come out and you echo the line that the government is putting out. The article goes on in the Wall Street Journal. The attacks on insufficiently macho celebrities followed a notice from China's Ministry of Education late last year warning that young Chinese men had become too feminine and they urged schools to promote sports like soccer with a view to cultivating students' masculinity. And that I'm going to applaud China again for understanding that boys are boys, girls are girls. And I know that's really radical thinking here in 2021. But I mean, let's remember China is the superpower out there that we're all competing with. And we're going in one direction here in the United States and in Europe. And China's going in a different direction. And I just want you to ask yourself, no matter what you think is right or wrong, who do you think is going to come out on the top of all this? The takeaway from all this, the Wall Street Journal says, taken together, these moves represent a shift in the social contract that existed under Mr. Xi's two immediate predecessors in which the party expanded personal freedoms in exchange for acquiescence to the party's monopoly on politics. The party says its aim is to more actively shape the next generation of Chinese people. And I thought one of the most interesting quotes out of all of this came from, I'm not even going to try to say the name. It's spelled Q-I-A-O and then M-U. They're a Beijing-based media scholar and prominent critic of government censorship. And they said, quote, communism doesn't like entertainment and gossip. It wants politics and class warfare. Wow, wants politics and class warfare. Communism does. I mean, I've been telling you for a couple of years now, three years, whatever it's been, to check out the Weather Underground from the United States, 60s and 70s, and what they wanted. Yeah, politics and class warfare. It's exactly what they're trying to set up here. So when you hear these stories of China, don't think we're that far removed here in the United States. Don't think that a lot of this stuff is not coming. It's just in a completely different aspect right now. It's in a completely different mindset where China is all against the non-binary. Well, we're here. We're all for the binary. We want to just keep separating people. We want to keep making divisions. We want to keep showing people how we're not alike rather than wanting to bring people together. And that's one thing about what's going on in China is they're bringing people together. And that is probably going to make them be the power that comes out on top if the United States doesn't quite figure that one out. 
But there was an interesting story, and I thought this was complete and utter crap because I'm a podcaster and I speak a lot. And I believe that being able to communicate concisely and clearly is a very important skill. But there was some research done. Scientists with the American Institute of Physics say males who speak less clearly or mumble tend to be more attractive to the opposite sex because women see it as a sign of masculinity. Now, I don't quite understand that one. It's a sign of masculinity that you cannot speak clearly. I don't understand that. Ladies, chime in. I'd like to know if you believe that's the case. If you look back and go, hey, wait a minute. Yeah, I didn't think that guy was hot at all. And then he's over talking like this. And I didn't know it. And then all of a sudden, I was like, wow, he's a really big catch. Let me get in on that. What was even stranger about this? is the study said that men find precise pronunciation alluring because it signifies femininity. Researchers say the findings published in the Journal of the Acoustical Society of America back evolutionary theories. From a sexual standpoint, males with traits that are slightly more masculine than average are typically preferred, while in the context which would make males with less clear speech more attractive, says the study co-author Dr. Daniel Starr from the University of California, Irvine. And I don't get it. That doesn't seem to make any sense to me. Guys appreciate women that can speak clearly, but women want guys that mumble. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. If you do, if you have proof of this, feel free to reach out. Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N at random, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com. I think that's all just a bunch of hooey. What's not hooey, though, is the value for value model that we use here on the Random Thoughts podcast, which is we put these podcasts out there. They're not behind a paywall. You get to decide if you got any value at all out of listening to the podcast. And if you did, it's up to you to get some value back to us. You can do so by going to random thoughts, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts.com slash donate. Click on that donate button to do a one-time or monthly donation through PayPal. You can use the QR codes and wallet addresses if you want to do the crypto thing. And you can also use the P.O. Box address if you want to go the snail mail route, check, money order, whatever you want to do. They are all very much appreciated. We also have a Patreon account over at patreon.com slash random thoughts, R-A-N-D-U-M-B thoughts, where we have a couple of people. And since it is the first of the month, we need to thank the folks over at Patreon, including our buddy Brian Jinek, who is coming in with $5 a month, and Dennis Woods coming in with $5 a month. They are both very much appreciated. If you do go the snail mail route, make sure to put RT or random thoughts on the check so I know how to attribute that. now. That we are taking donations for Random Thoughts, Grumpy Old Benz, and Planet Rage all at the same address. That is very important to know where those belong. But a heartfelt thank you to everybody who has supported this show over the last few years. Everybody that listens, giving us your time to listen to us rant and hopefully bring some value to your day. Hopefully you find it entertaining. If you have any thoughts, 
comments, criticisms, feel free to reach out. Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N at randomthoughts.com. With that said, I will be back next week on Wednesday with another edition of the Random Thoughts podcast. But until then, I am Darren O'Neill. Thanks for listening. 